Okay, we're back. Clinch Perfect, episode 15. Still no intro music, but we do have a logo and some cool branding. Um, shout out at Dave Fretz on Twitter. If you need any uh, artwork done for any MMA or any other purposes, check him out. He'll be in our in our tweet for this for this episode. So um, yeah, we're back. We've been away for a couple of weeks. Tom, what have you been up to, mate? Oh, that's been a while, hasn't it? I've missed your face. I didn't think I'd admit it. but That's the first time I've ever heard that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been good, man. I've been good. I've been beavering away at work just interviewing as many fighters as i can under the sun in the past couple of weeks um it's been a bit manic but I'll tell you what we've, we've, we've kind of missed a couple of like sleeper cards I, I was a bit like i must admit I, I kind of looked at the past weekend and thought oh this is going to be terrible but i quite enjoyed it yeah i i enjoyed the card the week before last because i got the most hilarious bet win of all time um what was that i got a draw on the oh what was it um kutalaba against jacoby fight <laughs> At the end of the second How round, Skybet had it was in play. At the end of the second round, 25 to 1 they had on a draw. And let's not forget, the first round was a super obvious 10 8 for Kutalaba. And then he was gassed to fuck and lost the second. And he's tough enough to not get finished. 25 to 1 they had on a draw at the end of the second round. So I got a tenner on that. I was delighted with that. Um, oh but I don't know the, the how happy I was with that kind of. Um, blocked every memory of anything else that happened on that card so <laughs> let's let's not talk about that one um the real question is how did you invest that money oh well i'll tell you how i invested that money because i want to talk about this anyway um fuck elon musk first of all <laughs> in the last couple of weeks while uh, while we've not been podding i've been getting into uh, cryptocurrencies and at first i was like oh my god this is so easy why doesn't everyone do this i think i made like five grand in my first few days it was honestly a piece of piss and then um yeah elon musk tweeted last night that Tesla aren't going to accept Bitcoin as payment anymore and t- started talking all this shit about it and everyone just, everything just went... Just so you cancelled your Tesla Model X order, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck him. He's not getting any business from me. Literally, I was playing Warzone. And I was just, every time I, like, you know, found, found somewhere safe in Warzone to check my phone, it would have gone down another, like, 500 quid. It was ridiculous. But, so um, if you've gone from a, a gambling obsessive to a Bitcoin obsessive? Well, I guess on, it's kind of now, the same. Now I'm just both, mate. It's, yeah, I was going to say, it's basically <laughs> the same thing. So while you've been, uh, you know, progressing in your career, interviewing fighters, I've been throwing my money away on a, <laughs> imaginary currencies. Um, it's the worst thing is it makes me even more addicted to my phone as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, it'd be quite interesting to see, like, compare your screen, screen time from, like, before you discovered Bitcoin to now. And just oh, I bet it's literally, I, like, every... Honestly, I think recording this podcast will be the longest amount of waking time in the last two weeks I've not looked at it. <laughs> and that's if I don't take a sneaky look at it while you're talking at some point. <laughs> I admire the um, the drive. I think that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, you, you could call it drive. You could call it a gambling addiction. But um, yeah, <laughs> anyway, Brighton News, like I said, we've got, we got a new logo. Um, it feels, feels quite fitting, doesn't it? Because it, it's Anderson Silva. And um, he's officially retired from MMA this week. So um yeah shout out anderson silver <laughs> what a fucking g and uh, it's probably probably for the best that he that he hung him up but let's talk about some actual fights um i know you're not going to let us move on and talk about what what we usually talk about without going on about the boxing for a bit hey this is mixed martial arts boxing is theoretically a martial art we can we can get away with it um yeah i mean come on we gotta talk about canelo i don't know honestly that that entire night was like probably one of the worst nights of my life because my you know you know that classic like tom and gary tom and gary tom and jerry gif where he's like peeling his eyes back with like little cocktail sticks oh yeah yeah that's genuinely what i felt like like my eyes were just burning just chucking eye shots like you name it um but man i did honestly like the actual undercard itself was quite sick like, i keep an eye on Keyshawn davis i think he's like a he's a bit of a 
a dark horse in the in the junior welterweight division. He's, a, he's, a good, he's decent. I think I think he's only had like three fights, but he pretty much outclassed his opponent. Um, I didn't watch the undercard. The the I was busy sucked, watching. Um... So actually, no. The only fight you got to watch is the fight before Canelo and Saunders. Which oh, yeah, is, you, were, you were telling so, me about that, yeah. So, Soto versus Takayama. I probably butchered the names, but oh my god, that is literally just an all-out war. And like the stoppage is ridiculous because it shouldn't have been stopped. But if you want to watch boxing, just just fast forward the rest of the card and just watch that fight because it's just a highlight reel, all-out war between basically two flyweights. Like <laughs> they, they, they were just throwing hell for leather. It was amazing. Um, and then you get to Canelo and Saunders. To be honest, the entrance is kind of like. I was a bit, I was kind of in the mood, and then like when I saw the like the Mexican reaction, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is going to be like an insane. I didn't catch the entrances. I actually timed it so perfectly that I watched the UFC in the front room, and then went to bed. You know, glass of water, brush my teeth. You know, get get ready for bed, get in bed. I literally got in bed and, and turned the stream on my phone as the bell went for the first round. I was like, oh, that is just heaven. So I just timed it perfectly, but I missed the walkouts. Oh, it was class, Matt. I mean, you got to give credit to Eddie Hearn. He doesn't have to put on a show. Like, let's be honest, but it was all about Canelo, right? Like, that, it was everything was just set up for Canelo to deliver, and boy, did he deliver! It was just a dominant performance. I, I, I kind of, I don't know what it is with. I mean, I, you know my gripe with commentary anyway, but I don't know what it is with the zone. They seem to pick like the two tin cans and put them on mics. It just baffles me completely. But they somehow had Billy Joe up after like the first four rounds. Oh like, yeah, even, like. We've talked about this before. I'm, I'm not a huge boxer. You know, I watch the big fights, but you know, I'm an MMA guy and I'm not a boxing expert by any means. And I would thought it was clear as day that Canelo was winning that fight. You know, not like well, Saunders. Maybe I gave him like one or two rounds, but he was not winning. Like it wasn't. It wasn't close. Did he trouble? Did, did he trouble Canelo? Did he fuck? No, like, he not didn't at all. Do anything to to hurt him? Like it was just. Oh, it frustrated me beyond belief because they were just like, "Oh, Billy Joe's landed a great shot," and blah 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 blah. But you could see he wasn't even like he wasn't even pushing Canelo back. There wasn't a point in that fight where I thought, "Oh, Canelo's in trouble." Yeah, it was always in control. In yeah, exactly. There were points in that fight where like Saunders maybe was like showing like some dancey feet, doing the ad shuffle, you name it, like trying to look stylish. But that doesn't score you points. Like you, you can dangle your feet and do all that kind of stuff all you want, but if you're not landing and you're not troubling your opponent. And you're not controlling the ring. You're not doing anything to win the rounds. And to me, I just thought Canelo kind of broke him down methodically. And that I actually wrote that in, in an article earlier this week. I was just like, I was so impressed with the gamesmanship of the way he just he saw Billy Joe. He went to the body, and then later in the rounds, he went to the head. And I mean, that right hook was just money. That I've I've got, I kind of I got an amazing shot at that moment because I kind of I was watching it on my phone, and my phone accidentally took a screenshot because I kind of pressed the back of my phone accidentally. Um, and that you can just see like the the visceral punch, and you can almost see Billy Joe like, oh boy, I'm in trouble. And went, the minute he took a step back, I was like, okay, the fight's gonna be waved off. And then obviously it was done. But I mean, fair play to Billy Joe. He took a risk, and anyone who fights Canelo has got insane bollocks. But yeah, it, it, it was one and done. On to the next one. But what a performance! Do you think? Um anyone has a chance of being Canelo at this point? Because the question I was going to ask you, I saw quite quite a lot of uh, hype on Twitter, people saying Plant might be the only one with a chance. And um, even even saw a few a few gamblers that I, that I follow thinking that uh, that he'd be worth a punt. But um, I don't see it's, it. I don't see it at all. The, the, only, I, the only thing that beats Canelo is weight. If Canelo tries to be too ambitious. I, I think Artur Paterbiev, I think GSP's former training partner, I think he's the only one who can actually trouble Canelo not just because of his size, but also because of his strength. Um, I don't think 
plant again as the punch power to trouble Canelo and super middleweight. I mean, if you think about the, the, the he's already beaten the best super middleweights. He's beaten Callum Smith, who I would argue is one of the best super middleweights, and he completely dominated him. I'd say Caleb Plant and, and Billy Joe are quite similar. I would give the punching advantage, obviously, to Plant. But I would argue that Billy Joe's ring IQ is stronger. Um, and let's face it, he's the IBF champion. I mean, to be an IBF champion, you have to fight like five bin men and a couple of tin cans. Like, you're not going through the ropes. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it just, I, I don't think it's a fair comparison. I, I don't see anyone giving him problems at this weight class. I think, again, as I say, it'll only be a problem if he tries, if he dares to be great, if he, if he goes up a, a weight class too much. And, and I think Kovalev, he kind of picks at the right time, but someone like a Baturbiev, even Joe Smith Jr., I think would give him a lot of problems. Yeah, well, w- while you were watching that co-main that you were just uh, going on about, I was busy watching Michelle Waterson kick thin air. <laughs> should, we, should we talk about that a little bit before we move on to uh, all the crazy amount of UFC news we've had this week? Um, yeah, fucking hell. That, that, like you said, it was a bit of a sleeper card. There was a couple um, sneaky, really good matchups on there. The Gregor Gillespie fight and um, Carlos Diego Ferreira. I know you said, I'm a little disappointed you said you weren't that impressed by that fight. I've watched that fight like five times since it happened. That, was, that shit was crazy. Um you know, just the—I mean, that's that's that is what you want to see from a, from an MMA fight. Like, just both of them going balls to the wall, doing anything they can to win. Like, the scrambles were insane. Um, I was a little bit like, "What? What the hell are you talking about?" When the commentators were like so baffled that they both let tired after the first round, I was like, "Obviously, like anyone would be tired after five Yeah, minutes they were just scrambling for all like a minute and thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah. It was absolutely insane. But um, yeah, I mean, pretty impressive for Gillespie to, you know, get rid of that demon of the Kevin Lee, you know, because I feel like the longer he went without a fight, you know, he had that one that got pushed back with um, with Brad Riddell. Um, felt like the longer he went without a fight, the more that was going to hang over him. And he just needed to get back in there, you know, get the monkey off his back, as, as you say, and um, and just get that win. What, what I was looking at next matchups for him, and we'll talk about it in a minute when we talk about the matchups that, have, you know, come out in the news this week. But the one I really wanted was was Makachev. That would have been insane. Yeah, that I mean, stylistically, that is a. I, honestly, I think that's a like a banger on the feet because I don't. I think both their wrestling would nullify each other. It like, could be a Colby and Usman situation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I would kind of I'd give the striking advantage to Makachev, obviously, but then again, I was quite impressed with Gillespie striking against um, Ferreira, who himself has good hands. It's all right against Pettis. Like, I, I'd say I, I think. I wasn't necessarily disappointed with the fight. It was just, I think, because it was just like essentially scrambles for however long it lasted, like what, two rounds or whatever. Um, it kind of took a bit of the excitement away from me because I just get so bored of seeing grappling exchanges. But um, <laughs> maybe that's the Brit in me. I just like seeing old fisticuffs. I don't know. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think a Makachev would be great. I, I was kind of going towards a Felder because if, if they're trying to build him back up, that might be a good litmus test. Um, well, I don't, again, I don't know if Felder's going to fight anymore. Um, I, I was actually thinking Felder as well for the reason that I think he'd be a good test in terms of he might be able to keep it standing quite a bit because you remember against RDA he came into that fight on what like four days notice and he stuffed a lot of, I mean I know RDA beat him quite convincingly but he stuffed a lot of takedowns in that fight coming in on four or five days notice so and he'd been training I, for a triathlon instead of a yeah I feel like fight, you, so. you need to throw someone in there that you know can test can force Gillespie to stand a little bit and and see you know what he can do there um, just from a, you know, just from a fan point of view, I wanted to wanted to see something fun. Um, but yeah, I, honestly, it, it should have been Makachev. It absolutely should have been Makachev. 
And it's, it's hard as well because all, as as you say, all the other contenders are ranked. I mean, other than Gaethje, but that seems like a massive leap. I can't see them giving him Gaethje. No, that'd be crazy. Um, but then an- another one given, that we the, were um... sorry, they're giving Makachev um, Moises, which is just like means unra- I, I, I don't know what Makachev has to do to get a, a top five opponent. I, I feel like everyone is avoiding him. Um, Again, my well, I mean, if if destroying Drew Dober didn't, then what's beating Moises going to do? Like you know, I, I like Moises. I'm I'm a big fan of him. I, I call him the mini Luke. Um, but yeah, if you know Dober's, I would say further ahead of Moises in terms of like where he is as a contender. Um, yeah. So you know, if beating Dober didn't get get him a ranked opponent, then what does fighting Moises do for him? And I mean, fair play to Makachev for actually taking that fight when you know it doesn't really advance him much. Um, before this card. We, uh, like I said, we didn't do a pod last week, but you were saying to me that I hope Jeff Neal lets his hands go against Neil Magny. Boy, did he let us down. It's just, it's like the Tyrone Woodley, isn't it? <laughs> they've just got rid of Ty- Tyrone Woodley and now they've got another one, Jeff Neal. Maybe I'm doing a disservice, I don't know. I was just, I, I kind of felt like Neil Magny was kind of there for the taking. You saw a bit of it in the first round. I, I feel like he kind of, in the first like 30 seconds, he was kind of, I mean, you can't really be in control in the first 30 seconds, but he showed a bit of venom and a bit of spite. And then whenever he got in the clinch, Magni just shut him down and did what Magni does, which is make it dirty and make it like a an in-the-clinch, like, phone box kind of fight. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if, for a man of, of Neil's talents, he just seems to let it all go to waste. Yeah, it's a little bit disappointing. I agree. Um, you know, but after, after he destroyed Mike Perry, I, re- I really thought, like... Maybe not a you know maybe not a, a contender for the belt straight away, but certainly a contender to be like a star in the UFC that the UFC can really market. Um, and yeah, he has let us down. He did say he was dealing with some some long term injury issues. You know, I know he had that issue last year, didn't he? Um, and he yeah, said he, he said he had a he, really he bad weight cut as well. Um, so I don't know. I saw some people saying he should move up move up a weight class. That seems ridiculous. I don't think he's big enough to go. Up weight. I mean, just he just needs to take time off it and you know sort out those issues. Um, Donald Cerrone, another disappointment. <laughs> um, without being too harsh, you know, it, it's time to hang him up, isn't it? It's time to hang him up. Um, first round finish for Alex Morona, who I have to say looked really good. I mean, I know it's a a shadow of the former cowboy that was in there, but um, you know, that's that's I'd say two impressive performances in a row for Morona, even though he lost to Pettis. I thought he looked good in that fight as well. I think my issue with Cowboy is that he just treats every fight like a kickboxing match. Like, he stands in a typical Muay Thai style stance, and I don't think I don't think unfortunately he's got enough pop to really trouble anyone anymore. I think it's I, it's less a concern about his chin. I mean, obviously they're a concern about his chin and the amount of damage he's taken. But if you actually look at the fight and you break it down, I don't think he has enough like firepower to really damage or trouble anyone. Like, and, and I'm not necessarily saying that. Morono is an easy opponent, but Pettis dealt with him quite comfortably. And only a couple of fights, well, what was it, like two, three fights ago, Pettis and Morono had a really good, um, Pettis and Cerrone had Cowboy, a really good yeah. scrap. So it, I'm, I'm less inclined to believe that he's fallen off a cliff. I just don't think that, as you said, I think his career is coming to an end. I'm actually not that bothered about seeing him fight like a, another veteran or even like a, a, a gimme fight. Like it, it I don't think he's like Diego Sanchez. We were going to talk about that last yeah. week before before we uh, postponed. Um, what I, the fuck's going think, on there? I don't think. Uh, sorry, just to go on, Serena. I just don't think he's got the star power to like garner enough interest for another fight. Anyway, 
Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, he's a, he's a fan favorite with like the hardcores, but he's never translated into into the casuals or anything. No, the casuals like just think he's that guy who got embarrassed by by Connor, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. As harsh as that sounds. Speaking of getting embarrassed, I mean, I, I don't know what Diego Sanchez has been. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to move us on to that conversation, so we, we can't not talk. I know we're a little bit late to the party, but um, I was going to give a shout-out to Paul Felder for... Um, have you seen that clip where <laughs> fucking Josh Fabian's going on and on and on, and Felder just goes, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> just so perfectly... Deli- Honestly, we're like the best comedic timing I've ever seen. Um, so Paul Felder just confirming his status as a legend. But um, yeah, the Sanchez stuff is like, it's a little bit funny, but it's a little bit sad and and kind of scary in a way that, I mean, I've even heard him talking about distancing himself from family members because they didn't appreciate his relationship with Fabian. It's like, yeah, that's like the number one warning sign of like, this is, this is toxic, this is fucked up. I mean, it says it all when like, Every single fighter on the on the roster is basically telling him to. I mean, and did you see what Bisping said? Bisping was, I think. Bisping oh, Bisping's exchanges it. over this have been hilarious. It's just, I, I do find it really disheartening because I'm just like, Diego needs help. He needs like genuine help from people who actually care about him, and you can just tell like, uh, Fabio is just using him as a tool. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. He's a pawn. Um, I, I I don't really know what like he ultimately gains from this. Like, what does Sanchez gain? He get, he get, he's released from the UFC. Where's he going to fight next? Like, no promotion is going to touch him with the barge bow anyway. Because, I mean, if they do, it'll either be Ryzen, where we'll be fed to, like, some up-and-coming prospect, or it'll be Bare Knuckle, where, again, he'll get battered to smithereens. And, and take even more uh, damage to his to his brain yeah. than he already has. Um, yeah, like I said, it's there's part there's parts of it that make me laugh when I, when I go, you know, scroll through Twitter and see all the out, outrageous shit. Um, and then yeah, there's another part of it that's that's kind of sad. But um, yeah, that's really disgusting. Did you see that video of him? The one of him hanging upside down whilst Fabius just like yeah, that that shit was kicking in the head. Like I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm no expert when it comes to training or anything. But again, I was speaking to Dan Hardy, and Dan Hardy was just I mean, bear in mind Dan Hardy and, and Diego had a bit of history and a bit of back and forth in the past, and even Dan was just like. I don't know what he's doing, man. Like he needs to get genuine help, and you can just tell this guy is just again manipulating him. Um, so yeah, I, I I can't see it ending well. Sadly, I I just don't I don't see a happy ending at all for Diego Sanchez, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, in in more positive news, as one fighter uh, leaves, we've got another one that's hinting they're going to come back. You know, I had to talk about this whether uh, whether I think he's going to get sparked or not. Is another question, but Luke Rockhold is saying he wants to come back, like proper for good this time. Um, there were rumours that it was going to be Darren Till. Obviously, we know that's now not the case. Um, but you'd heard something of, of who it might be? Yeah, I've heard that he's going to get the winner of Hermanson Shabazian, which to me feels like if Shabazian wins, they're going to try and like build his name and use Rockhold as like a, a leverage or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. I My issue with Rockhold is that I don't feel like AKA is the right fit. I don't know. What, like, I know he's been training at RVCA with... Um, with ironically with Bisping and Mackenzie Dunn and a couple of others, but I've always felt like Rockhold is a much better kickboxer than he is a, a wrestler and a grappler. I don't know what you think. Oh, well, I think of him 90, 90% primarily as a kickboxer. So um, yeah, I completely agree. So I, I, I don't, I mean, I think he's, I think he's actually being coached by Habib now, as in like Habib will be his head cornerman and whatever. And obviously like Habib's been doing some amazing results recently. Like look at what he's done with Makachev, for instance, and the, his, uh, cousin in Bellator, but I just I do just think that 
Rockhold again needs a striking coach who can to play to his strengths, like shooting for takedowns against someone like a a Charbazian or even a Brunson or like. Well, we saw in the um, in the Blahovich fight, he wasted most of that fight trying to get him down. I don't did I honestly can't remember if he got him down successfully once, um, and never really, you know, had proper striking exchanges where. You know, if obviously his chin's weak, but if you were talking purely in terms of the striking technical skill and ability, you'd say Rockhold's probably a better striker than, than Blahovic. So, oh my gosh, I've just thought of the best matchup. <laughs> Go on, and it, and it can actually happen in middleweight because he's theoretically fought a middleweight. R- Luke Rockhold returns against drum roll, please. We'll put it in the edit. No, we won't. Nick Diaz, get oh, it done, Jesus. And then they what both ride off into the sunset. Whoever, wins. yeah, exactly, <laughs> hand in hand <laughs> on perfect. the horses. There we go, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I mean, we got some absolutely crazy, crazy matchups haven't been announced this week. Before we talk, we're obviously going to talk about UFC 262 this weekend. But um, yeah, Luke Rockhold doesn't have a fight yet, but is rumored to come back. But there are plenty of people who do officially have a fight. There's, you know, a move up in the in the uh, in the weight classes. Here. We'll start with Sean O'Malley getting a fight with uh, with Smolka. That's a bit of a weird one for me, but I can kind of understand it at the same time because. You know, they want to be patient with O'Malley. Like, they already got that that loss with Cheetah Vera. He's managed to turn into, like, a meme, obviously, with, like, the, the undefeated thing. If he loses again, then there's going to be real hard for the UFC to get that marketability and that spark back. So, I, you know, I'm not saying Smolka's just, you know, cannon fodder for him here, but he's just cannon fodder for him. <laughs> I, I am saying that. You only have to look at his record, right? I think he's fought uh, um, flyweight as well in the past. And he's been stopped a few times. I do feel like he's, he's tailor-made for O'Malley to make a bit of a statement again. And as you say, I, I want to see that cheetah fight again at some point soon. So maybe that's the next one after this. I don't know. Um, but the fact they put it on the McGregor card is what interests me the most because you can see they're going to try and build O'Malley as like this star of the bantamweight division, which to me makes sense because I do think he is the most marketable in that division. Um, although I, I would like to see O'Malley versus Jack Shaw at some point. Um, I think that would be a more interesting stylistic matchup. Yeah, they're definitely they're definitely using that card to uh, to build up their top prospects because Topuri is on that card as well. We'll uh, just throw that in there. Um, <laughs> moving up to the uh, the lightweights, I thought we, we got... would go a podcast without saying his name. <laughs> no, mate, never, never. Uh, moving up to the lightweights, we got Moises. We talked about that getting Markachev. Um, I think we we both predict Markachev will win that, but um, I do feel like Moises has been a little just. Dis- I'd like the disrespect on Twitter I saw was insane. Like that match we got announced and obviously well, he's on a three it, fight win streak, isn't it's it? fair for people to say, why isn't Makhachev getting a ranked opponent? But some of the disrespect I've seen from Moises, people saying like, who the fuck is that? Like this guy's an absolute beast. He's super technical on the feet. He has a solid chin. He has power in both hands. And um, he's a, he's a pretty slick rapper. I, I saw a video of him uh, doing, I think what they call a helicopter arm bar um, for in like 2015 or 16 or something. Um, a few fights before he joined the UFC, absolutely insane armbar win. Um, should, should look it up if you haven't seen it. But um, yeah, I feel like that, that's being overlooked a little bit as everyone just saying like, oh, Makachev should get a ranked opponent. He's just going to destroy this dude. Um, no, he won't, but I think he probably will win. He's never in a dull fight either, is he, Moses? Like, I, I no. can't think of like any of his UFC fights that have been like a, a, well, dull to watch. Um, but yeah, I agree. I, I, my, my issue is less with Moises and more the fact that he hasn't got a a ranked mm-hmm. opponent. Like, I felt like the Tony fight for Makachev was the one to make, and they've made Darius versus Ferguson, which don't get me wrong, I'm really excited about. But I would, I, I feel like you could kind of sell the narrative of the Habib like teammate versus Tony Ferguson as sort of like a B Tech version of Habib versus Tony. Do you know what I mean? I, I thought the narrative was already written. But yeah, they've decided to go in a different direction. Who knows? 
but they put they've put another absolute banger on that card as well. Staying in the isn't lightweight, that, isn't that the same card that uh, Misha Tate's returning? I think it's the same card. Um, as back on. Oh, I honestly don't know off the yeah, top of my head, it is. but it it's is the same card as uh, Jeremy Stevens moving up to lightweight to fight Gamrot. Um, another, I mean. The style, the star matchup of that fight is like that fight is going to be batshit. I would be amazed if that fight isn't either one or two things guaranteed fight of the night, potential fight of the year, or one of them fights that you're just like, what the fuck just happened? What did I even just watch? Like, do you know what I mean? Gamera has such a weird sort of, I wouldn't say it's herky jerky, but like, do you know what I mean? He, he's got quite a unique style in terms of he pushes the pace, but he does it in like a weird in and out way. He's a bit like, um, he's a bit like Yuri. It's yeah, kind of going and he, he goes for those sort of weird takedown attempts. Um, you know, kind of kind of Tony style with the the weird leg rolls and stuff. Um, and then you got Steven. I mean, like you said, never in a dull fight. Jeremy Stevens never in a dull fight. So I'm sorry of all the, of all the matchups we've got here listed to talk about. That might be the one I'm most excited for. That needs like a parent parental advisory. Yeah, hundred logo on it, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, what a banger. I mean, we've been high on camera ever since he joined the UFC. I mean, his fight with Kush Lazi for me was one of the fights of the year already. Like. I'd, yeah, I'd just in terms of like less less so on violence, just in terms of sheer like quality, it was just yeah, a joy yeah. to watch. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, again, I, I feel like Jeremy Stevens gets quite a lot of disrespect. Obviously, I think he's on like a a, a negative um, streak in the UFC. Uh, I can't quite remember his overall record, but I'm pretty sure like his losses outweigh his wins. But having said that, like again, he's he's, he's upset a lot of prospects in the past. Couldn't put him past him, and his resume is insane in terms of like the quality of opponent he's faced. Like he's, you know, not all the best, but he's been in there with a lot of the best at featherweight. I I, I do fear um, that he's coming up against the beast in camera, and I don't think it led very well. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I'll uh, I'll study study closer further to the um, you know, closer to the time, but. Um, I'd definitely be leaning Gamrot there. What about the middleweight? So we got some middleweight matchups to talk about. Finally, the middleweight division is getting sorted out. How many episodes of this podcast have we done saying let's try and fix the middleweight division? They may have done it. They may have finally done it. It's a weird one, isn't it? I kind of feel like the Till Brunson, but like I'm quite excited because I feel like it's kind of a, a good opportunity for Till to kind of get himself back in the win column. But having said that, like Brunson's a little mint in his past, what three fights? Um, actually, it might be a full fight in the streak. I can't remember. It's either three or four. But yeah, I, I I kind of wanted Till versus Holland, although Holland's taking some time off. So I'm, I'm not so sure that they would go in that direction. Holland's but... got to go to Dagestan and train, mate. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> He's busy. And also, Till and Branson have been going back and forth on social media. Like they're, they're kind of Their like... social media beef is very weird. Like you can tell they they're both kind of... don't really give a shit and they're just having a laugh. But it's like also, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a weird one. Their, their beef is weird. But again, it's. It's an intriguing matchup because Brunson's strengths are arguably an area which, I mean, Till has great like wrestling defense and takedown defense, um, but then he did, get, he did get taken down by Whitaker, and I would argue that Brunson has better wrestling than Whitaker. So it'll be interesting to see how he deals with that. Yeah, where exactly that fight takes place, especially coming back from a broken collarbone. Like, let's not forget he, he, uh, he's had surgery. Um, I, I don't quite know. I, again, I was speaking to my Grundy today and yesterday, and, and Grundy was saying that he's on track to recover like well in advance um, and like well had a schedule and whatever. But even so, I am a bit concerned that it like coming back so soon from a broken collarbone against a wrestler is probably not the best. Like if you're yeah, it doesn't sound great. Couple no, couple slams exactly. onto his back, yeah. Um, and then we but got. I said that we got to back the boy. 
<laughs> oh, mate, obviously he's going to win. No bias here. No bias from the two Brits on this podcast. Um, <laughs> then we've got Kandir and Costa as well. Um, that's oh, August so 21st, God. that fight, um, which is the same card as uh, Pantoja and Roy Val in the flyweights, which isn't like, I mean, how often do we go on here and say, oh, this is just a sick matchup after sick matchup? I mean, these are all just surefire bangers. Kananir Costa is like the dream fight for me in terms of who I wanted for both of those two. Perfect. I wanted this fight before Costa fought Izzy. Mm. I, I remember, again, writing a piece thinking, this is the matchup to make. And then obviously they made the Izzy fight and we all know how that went. But Kananir, I feel for me, is the dark horse in the division. Yes, he lost to Robert, but I just there's just something about him. That is, I mean, you look at all his wins in the UFC. He's finished every single one of his opponents. There's... I think the fact that he's so experienced kind of will help him a lot. Like I think he's probably 13 and five and he's also fought like rows out of killers. Like I think he's fought, like, he fought Dominic Reyes, didn't he? At, um, like heavy. And, and again, he has think... the, the most badass moment in UFC history, walking hands down, chin up towards Iwan Kutalaba and just not giving a fuck. Kutalaba barely even threw a punch because he was just scared of him. He was just like, what is happening? Yeah. And then obviously he leg, leg checked. Uh, Anderson Silva. Um, less, the less we speak about that, the better. But <laughs> yeah, that's just sad, like, mate. Don't, I, don't bring that. Be, don't bring that bad. They are literally here. just going to stand in the middle of that and throw bombs, aren't they? I can't, yeah, 100%. I, can't, I, I can't see. I, I can't see it going in the distance. But then I've said that before. And Jinx, so who knows? Maybe I'll curse the fight. Yeah, I thought <laughs> that with the with the Yoel and Costa fight, and um, they're just both held up to the insane amount of damage they took. So maybe that'll happen again. Um, and then still mo- moving up, moving up the weight classes again. We've got Tiago Santos against Johnny Walker on September 25th, that light heavyweight. Um, I, I tweeted on, on our Clinch Perfect account on Twitter that I'm not sure whether this followers. is an attempt to push Johnny Walker or cut Johnny Walker. <laughs> like You can look at it either. Like Santos could kill him with the first punch. We know Walker's chinny. But at the same time, if he goes out there, you know, does one of his insane, you know, flying knee or spinning back fist or elbow, whatever, you know, all the crazy shit that Johnny Walker does... Santos is a big name to put on the, you know, and he, all of a sudden he's right back up there in in being, you know, maybe not a contender, but in that sort of, you know, top seven to ten range. The weird thing as well, they both have terrible gas tanks. So if they make it to the second round, they're going to turn into just a drunken bar fight. Yeah. I, I wonder how much money a, a Walker's submission would be. I mean, just thinking, <laughs> like, just thinking of Thiago's most recent like loss to Texera. I'm pretty sure I was. Was that was that a submission loss? I can't remember. No, it was, I think it was a decision because everyone was pissed because it, it was expected oh, to be a banger and turned out to be really boring. Um, yeah. Walker submission odds would be like Fluffy Hernandez versus Rodolfo Vieira submission odds. If you if you win that, I mean, you're, you're set. That's like getting a draw on Kutalaba and Jacoby. Um, I, I guess it, it all depends if he throws right. If, yeah. if Thiago Santos actually lets his hands go, I feel like. Walker oh, he can easily like night. you know. I love Johnny Walker. He's one of the funnest fighters in the UFC. I'll stand by that. But he's so chinny. Like if you if you look at the knockout loss he had before he joined the UFC, it was just like one punch and he was doing the chicken dance. Um, and then uh, before we get on to the card this weekend, we got to mention, of course, the heavyweights, the rumors circling nonstop. Will it be John? Will it be uh, Will it be Derek Lewis? They're saying it is going to be Derek Lewis for Francis and Gano. I've heard it's Derek Lewis from well, Randy messaged me saying it's Derek, so I'm pretty convinced it's Derek. And I, as much as it pains me to admit. It would sort of make sense. I, I, again, I wrote again. I wrote a piece about this this, this week. I, w- I'm kind of on board for the Stipe John fight. I think that would be it. Like, 
stylistically, that's a match made. That's actually a fight I wanted to see when Stipe was champion and, and John mm-hmm. was champion. I thought it, in terms of super fights, that would be amazing. But it never happened for obvious reasons. And now we kind of get a chance to see that fight with in like a potential title eliminator. Because I feel like I do feel like Jones needs a tune-up fight. I mean, we've seen him hitting pads and stuff, but that's not the same as getting like 25 minutes of octagon experience, like in the main event or whatever. Oh, not um, to be throwing shade at the possible goat, but he looked slow as fuck on those pads. I don't know if you saw the video that came out this week. He looked real slow. ESPN MMA tweeted like, "Oh, look how good John Jones looks on the pads. He looked fat and slow." Just throwing it out there. To be fair, I think he did throw a caveat saying something like. Oh, I'm just working on strength and conditioning at the moment, and he does look massive. Like, yeah, he looks like a big seen, boy. He looks like. A big have you boy. seen that photo of like they compared like him when he won his first title to him now, and he it literally. Well, to be fair, like he was a child when he won that first. When he won that first, <laughs> what was he? 22, 23? 22, yeah, twenty-two. Youngest, youngest. Yeah, again, the goat. Either way, I'm just. I I am excited to see Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou. We were burning the first one. We can't. They, they, there's no way they can go ten rounds without like swinging and banging as Derek says like it's got to happen There's, I'm expecting pure violence and lots and lots of blood <laughs> 100% just curse out to be the exact same as the first fight um, anyway we'll move on to uh to what we're all here for the uh big card this weekend fans in the arena last time we had fans in the arena it was absolutely insane card one of the best ever perhaps um kicking off the prelims this this weekend bit disappointed here that um that Joel Alvarez was is uh out of this fight, I was super looking forward to seeing Alvarez again. I think what he has two first round submissions in his in his UFC career so far, or maybe yeah, a knockout submission. Even. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, really, really good. Joel Alvarez isn't here, but um, Christian Gargos looked super good in his last fight. Granted, against a pretty poor opponent, and he's fighting Sean Soriano coming in six years out of the UFC. Um, I'm just curious to see how Soriano looks because I'm not going to lie, I've not been watching him fight in random regional promotions. <laughs> I have no idea how he's going to look coming in. He's the guy who's like alternated wins and losses and then got cut, right? I think. I'll have to double check what his record is, but it's not amazing. And then he got cut. No, yeah, he's six got like eight losses ago. or something, hasn't he? I think. He's 14 and six. 14 and six. He got five. cut after a submission loss to Charles Rosa. Which, if, if you know, if, if if anyone knows my feelings on Charles Rosa, that's that's not a good luck. That's not a good luck. <laughs> Getting finished by Charles Rosa. Short notice as well. But then we've seen short notice replacements pull up, like upset the odds. I, I don't know. I think I think I think Iago's going to kill him here. He was he was really um, maybe not unlucky. Maybe it was partly his fault that he didn't push the pace more. But he was unlucky not to finish um, Carlton Minus in his last fight. He looked really good, and um, his loss before that was to Drakkar Close, who you know isn't a world-class fighter in terms of like being right one of the top contenders, but you know, he is, you know, a well-known name now and, um, you know, not, not a loss to, uh, you know, turn your nose up at, um, next we've got Tucker Lutz coming off the, uh, the very impressive contender series win. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, if you remember, he actually fought, um, Sherrod Blackledge on that contender series fight who we had complained the week before, or maybe a few weeks before that Blackledge hadn't gotten a contract because uh, he, I think he'd won by a decision and Dana had said he didn't get the finish. So you're not going to contract, even though he'd absolutely dominated for 15 minutes and put in a perfect performance. Um, so, you know, for Tucker Lutz to then go out and dominate him is, is pretty damn impressive. And he's fighting Kevin Aguilar, who's on a three-loss streak. So, um, you know, kind of classic scenario here of uh, prospects off the contender series coming in against an experienced guy on a loss is streak. A, is this a featherweight or lightweight? Uh, I've not got the card in front of me, but... 
I would assume Aguilar's last fight was Rosa, wasn't it? He lost. This is at featherweight, yeah. This is at featherweight. Interesting. So he's going back down. I mean, I must admit, I haven't seen much of Lutz like on the regional circuit again. Just watched this contender series, but was impressed. He's a big I featherweight. He's huge. I haven't been impressed by Aguilar at all. I'll be honest. Like, I thought he was game against uh, Danny Gay, but nothing really spectacular. And then he got smoked by uh, Tukagov. Like, a three fight skid. If he loses, I'd imagine he gets cut. Being honest. Yeah, I mean, it's not a particularly, um, you know, killer's row of a, of a three-fight skid either, is it? Um, other than Danny. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. the, his most recent... I didn't realise that. Sorry, his most recent loss was also Charles Rosa. Yeah. Like, Don't make me shit on Charles Rosa more, the poor guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think if Lutz, Lutz... I think if he leans heavily on his leg kicks here, um, I feel like he could knock him out or, or definitely win a decision. Um, I do really like Tucker Lutz. I think he's, he's going to be a pretty good addition. Um, never thought I'd be saying this in 2021, but next fight, Gina Mazine is, is a favorite, um, <laughs> a pretty heavy favorite as well against, uh, Priscilla Cacciera. I hope I got that name close to right, who is, uh, one and three in the UFC and her only winners against Shayna Dobson, who I believe is now being cut. Is that right? Um, so yeah. yeah, I think pretty weird fight there. The, um, she's, she's a short notice replacement as well, isn't she? Yeah. I can't remember who she's replaced though. Don't worry about it. We'll move on. We don't care about that fight. We're not like <laughs> Yeah, no disrespect. But um, I think Mazzini will probably win that pretty interested. easily. She looked good in the last fight against uh, against Ostovich, so we'll uh, we'll expect her to win there. Yeah, next fight is absolute banger to be honest. And anytime Jordan Wright Beverly Hills Ninja fights, I'm interested. I know he's a bit chinny, but he is a fun fighter to watch. Teammate John Jones as well, and one of the greatest nicknames in the entire organization. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Got absolutely sparked out by Buckley in his last fight, but um, you know, no shame in that. He, he, he is oh, in Chukri, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he, he is a little bit chinny because um, if if you look at his record, he's only got one knockout loss. He's only got one loss, um, but there is a no contest on there, and that was him getting absolutely knocked out cold by Fluffy Hernandez on the Contender Series, and then that was overturned to a no contest because Hernandez tested positive for weed. So that hundred percent enhances performance to make. Wright's chin made a glass. Um, so I, you know, I think Wright will right, you know, rightfully be the favorite here, but I'd give Pickett a chance solely because he does seem a little bit chinny. Yeah, I think that's fair. It, uh, I think he got he got clipped in his contender series fight, didn't he? If I remember correctly, and kind of did a bit of a skanky leg. But I've actually just have you seen that photo? Oh my gosh, have you seen this photo of um. Oliveira and Chandler facing off. The intensity, I can literally feel it like burning through my phone. It's ridiculous. Like they're like they're just deadballing each other. It's amazing. I'm so excited for that fight. Who else are we talking about? What else have we got on this card? Oh gosh. Like what is it with like these really stinky women's MMA fights? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. And uh, Andrew Lee versus Antonina Shevchenko. That's gonna send me to sleep, mate. Maybe then you got Land of an Art against the boy Mike Grundy right after that, so that'll wake you up. Banger, first round sub. <laughs> I mean, to be I mean, to be fair, we're obviously biased because you interviewed Grundy this week and we're Brits. But Land of an Art is never in a dull fight either. Like most of his fights are bangers. Yeah, and it's his debut at featherweight, isn't it? So it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see how he deals with the weight cut. And to be honest, it'll be interesting to see how he deals with a really like he's not been very good against pressure fighters. And Grundy is literally like a pressure fighter. Like we saw that in the first 
fight, well, in his previous fight against Ivalev, like first round, Grundy like applied the pressure and took Ivalev, who's meant to be the best wrestler at featherweight, down multiple times. Like, I'd be interested to see if, if Vanas can keep him off. Was that the fight that Ivalev was in a guillotine for like five minutes, or was that his next yeah. fight? I think that's his next fight. Where, like, he was, I, th- I think the he would do, the Grundy one was where he's like spinning his legs around on the floor. Oh yeah, every Ivlev fight is, is ridiculous. Yeah, it was, it was Nick Lentz that he was in a guillotine for like the entire first round, and they, yeah. they were like, "It's tight, it's locked in." Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously we know what Grundy Grundy wants to get us to the ground and submit him, uh, submit him, obviously. Um, but you know, Venata, like I said, he is always in fun striking battles and you know, decent scrambler. So I know I feel like this is kind of a sleeper fight for um, for just some batshit craziness. Yeah, potential fight of the night written over it. To be honest, I completely agree. Well, yeah, saying and then, that, um, having said that, we're going on to the potential fight of the night right now. <laughs> you think Jacare is the potential fight of the night? I do. I think I kind of rate. Um, is it Munez? I think is that Munez or yeah, Munez. Munez or something. Yeah. yeah, I really, really rate him. I think he's a, a very decent addition. Not necessarily fight of the night, but I could. I do think we could see a bit of a statement from Munez here. I'm not completely right enough, um, Jacare, just because of his obviously his resume, but he's on a three fight skid would incline to believe that he's on the downward slope. And I feel like Muniz, unfortunately, is going to catch him at the right time. And you know what? I'm, I'm a romantic, so I'm going to go with the vet to uh, to get a, you know one last spectacular win in front of the fans. Muniz, he's, he's 20 and four. His, four. his four losses are all by knockout. So I'm, I'm going to call it now. Jack Ray head kick, knockout. And that's how this fight's going to end. I'll tell you that. The real <laughs> question free. is, how is Matt Schnell on the main card and Jack Ray isn't? I can't get my head around Well, because he's fighting Bontarine and Bontarine's crazy motherfucker. <laughs> It's Bonterin is the guy who uh, Kakara France starts, isn't it? And then like, yeah, Bonterin was like absolutely dominating him. Had him locked in a couple of submission attempts. Looked like he was going to get him to tap or make him pass out, and then somehow got knocked. Like I still have no idea how he managed to get himself knocked out in that fight. Amazing, great strategy. <laughs> and then he tried to do the classic hug the ref's legs, um, <laughs> which which is always funny. But um, yeah, I think that I I can see Bonterin getting a bounce back here. Not going to lie. Um, Chanel did look good against Tyson Nam, but I, I can just see Bonter and taking him down and, and mauling him on the ground and some and you know slipping a submission in there somewhere. Yeah, Chanel's a weird one, isn't he? Because obviously he's beaten Nam, but I don't really think he's done anything of note like that I can think of really. And as you say, Bonter in a bit of a setback, but would argue he's got a more well-rounded skill set. He's he's and- really good on the mat as well, like underrated good. We've been talking about fight of the years. We've been talking about fight of the nights. If this isn't in the bracket or the running for fight of the year, the MMA gods have cursed us. I feel like I genuinely feel like we could be up for something special. Oh, I forgot what the next fight was. I thought you were still talking about Schnell and Bondurin. I was like, what? (laughs) You're talking about Barbosa. I'm talking. I'm talking about the fans' favorite. The fan, like this is the this is the fan friendly fight. Just don't blink. Anything could happen. Anything crazy in in your wildest imagination could happen in this fight. Like I'm so excited. And you know who else is excited? Michael Chandler. Did you see that video where he's like, he he was like, I'm going to introduce you to my favorite fighter, and then he goes over to Shane Burgos and like this is I my favorite fight yeah. master oh class the, the, the amount of, the amount of positive PR I've seen on Chandler this week has been insane and, and like I you know I said this after his fight against Hooker I do really like Michael Chandler he seems like such a nice guy and um, he's a fun fighter as well but um, it does kind of feel like do you remember the the media and the build up to the Nunes versus Ronda Rousey fight where they like no one like even knew Amanda Nunes existed because all the media was about Rousey, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to make it a race thing, but the white American. Um, <laughs> but you can say the same about Holly Holm and, and Ronda as well, right? Like yeah. All the media attention was basically about 
the star girl and then Holly upstage the odds. I mean, we'll talk about that more later because, I, again, I just want to gush over Burgos and Barbosa for like five minutes because, oh my gosh. Can I what tell you my fight. fear about this fight is, um, you remember how Dan Hooker was in a million wars and everyone was like, oh my God, he has such an amazing chin. He can take so much damage. And then one shot from Chandler just sparked him. I do worry a little bit. Burgos's last fight, he took a lot of big shots from Josh Emmett, who's one of the, I mean, maybe the most powerful puncher in that division. Um, and it was, you know, like I said, with Hooker, there was a lot of, oh my God, how is he surviving this? How is he taking so much damage? He got dropped a couple of times, got back up again. There's a, there's a little tiny bit of worry in me that Barbosa catches him with one clean, you know, spinning kick or something. And it just, you Terry know, style. Yeah. yeah, straw that breaks a camel's back and, um, you know, ruins what, what would be a fight the night by, by getting an early knockout or something. But I hope you're right. I hope I'm wrong. I guess you're you right. could say the same about Barbosa, though, right? Like Barbosa's been in a few wars. He's also been starched in quite brutal fashion. Mm-hmm. So it, again, I, I just think it's got banger written all over it. And if it disappoints, I'm gonna cry myself to sleep. Oh, I can't disappoint. It's either it's either a brutal knockout one way or the other, or 15 minutes of absolute mayhem. Um, and I know, I know, I was moaning about female fights, but I'm actually quite excited for this one. I quite like. Like I'm a big fan of Chukagian. I think she's she's a great fighter. I know like, you love watching Chukagian trick judges by making loads of noise. I'm also I'm also really excited about uh I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it Arujo? I think I it's Arahujo. Arahujo. Vivian. There we go. I'm just gonna say Vivian. Call her Vivi. We'll call her Vivi. I've, I've genuinely been excited. I, I think I, I I think she is like the next title contender. Um and Chikagian's obviously like kind of the gatekeeper to <laughs> Shevchenko, let's be honest. But yeah, I'm I'm intrigued because I, I do think that Chikagian can cause the problems, but it I feel like Vivian will just go for the finish. I, I kind of she's a bit like a shark. Although she, I don't think she's finished on anyone in the UFC. I think all her fights have gone to decision. So it'll be interesting to see if she can actually like apply the pressure and push for a finish. But this is a bit of a banger. As female scraps go, like this is a pretty high level one. Yeah, I mean she looked really good against Roxy in her last fight. Um, like you say, she didn't get the finish, and I'm just checking that she did. She did get a finish on a UFC oh, debut, debut. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah against uh, Talita Bernardo but um, since then th- three and one since that fight her only loss was a decision to Jessica I which you know for a you know fighter who's less experienced that's you know it's not the end of the I world think Jessica I also was like five pounds overweight or something so take it with a pinch of salt <laughs> yeah that's that's not too surprising is it um, but yeah I, I completely agree this is this, this is definitely the standout of the, uh, of the female fights like, on this card that it's that is so high up, but I think if you look at the rankings, like where Shikagian's ranked, and also where Arujo's oh, it makes ranked, sense. Like, Whoever makes wins sense. this fight is is right up there in the in the contender picture, hundred percent. Yeah, and and again, fun fight. Again, I think it'll mostly be settled on the feet. So look forward to it. Yep, and then the one that's really going to get the uh, the crowd warmed up before the main event. I mean, I think I can't remember what we were talking about when we said it would look like a drunken bar fight. Oh, it was Santos and Walker, wasn't it? This is going to look like a drunken bar fight between between. I mean, if Darius like. How many how many wins has he memed his way to? Do you know what I mean? Like he'll just like the spinning back fist against Holtzman, the win against um Drakkar Close, where he was coming back from the dead to win that. Like Darius's fights are like they're almost inexplicable. Some Even of his the wins. James Vick fight. Like he's he's throwing he's throwing punches from like uh, I, I, I I think it was like a, a Dan Hardy breakdown or something where I was watching. I was watching the tape and I was like, Darius throws punches, but he throws punches from like the most unorthodox of angles. That you're like, how's his arm? That's how's his arm? He, coming he like out of his socket? memes like, his so way strange. to winning fights. He's such an odd fighter. And like, 
I don't know how you prepare for him, but then at the same time, you can completely say the same thing for Tony Ferguson. Like you've got two guys here who are so unpredictable and so unique that it like it's either going to be one of those ones where they offset each other and it's a snooze fest, or again, like we said about a couple of these other fights, just absolute insanity. I feel like this is a must must win for Tony anyway. So uh, uh, it is a dangerous fight for him, but I do think that as well, I really like Darius. I think we've been high on him for a while. Obviously, he's gone on this ridiculous tear after a couple of setbacks. But I do have a bit of questions about his chin because there have been, like, like even the Draco Close fight, he was doing the chicken dance. Um, yeah, I, he I was, I mean, wonder, one clean shot from from being down on his face in that fight. I, I do wonder if he gets, like, to the high level that someone is just going to put him away. Uh, but I'm not, I think, again, the caveat to that is that I don't think Tony has the power to do that with one shot, Tony. Yeah, he's not he's not a one punch knockout guy. He's more concussive. Yeah. Um, you know, build him up over time. But um, which makes this fight so exciting because again, it's just as you say, it's just going to be mad scrambles on the feet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I want I want to see I want to see the grappling. Um, but I, I would like to see most of it play out on the feet, just because, like I said, they are such unique. I mean, especially Darius is such like such a weird striker. Like it's not even you can't even compare him to anyone. There's no one that fights like Benil Darius. So, um. Yeah, must win for Tony. It would be a huge win for Darius to get this win. I mean, look if you look at his record, he, that's that's the notable win he needs now to skyrocket himself into the like the proper contender. Completely picture. agree. Yep. Yeah. Who else we got? Oh, the main event. What am I saying? You were just gushing about this, mate, and you've forgotten about yeah. it five minutes later. I can't. But I actually can't believe this is for the, the lightweight title. But never mind. Uh, I'm. I, I, I feel like Gage has been really harsh here, on by. But having said that, this is a banger, and I feel like everyone is overlooking the Brazilian once again. That's what I was talking about. All all the press I've seen this week, like literally, you scroll through Twitter. If you if you follow MMA accounts on Twitter, you scroll through Twitter and just see Michael Chandler. Oh, what a nice guy! Michael. I mean, he is a nice guy, but like it's just all 100% Michael Chandler. Like, there seems way, to be not, nothing not, about not, De Bronx. I'm not saying that Oliveira is going to win. Like I'm, I, I find it hard to pick a winner for for this fight just because I feel like there's so many unknowns about both of them, right? Mm-hmm. But I do think he is being disrespected. I think he's being overlooked, and I think if Chandler's overlooking Oliveira, which he's, I mean, he's saying he's not, but I feel like Chandler's doing too much of this Mister Nice Guy act. Like it, it's kind of, it's rubbing me up the wrong way a bit. I'll be honest. I'm, I, I like you're going into a championship fight and you're like being really pally pally. It just, I don't know, doesn't sit comfortably with me. But having like. I don't know. I'm just. I'm, I'm really interested to see where Oliveira is at mentally in this fight because I feel like that is his biggest issue, right? Like you look at his career, his biggest downfalls have been where he's, well, well himself basically. He's he is his own worst enemy, and I, if he comes into this fight with even a shred of doubt, I do feel like Chandler's like the. We saw that with the Dan Hooker fight. Dan Hooker didn't lose the fight because he's a bad fighter. He lost the fight because when he got in the octagon he lost confidence and the pressure got to him. I'm not so sure that Oliveira will do that, but I do think that is a concern going into this fight. Yeah. um, I don't know. I think I'm leaning Charles, to be honest. I agree with you. There are definitely concerns there. I think he's been knocked out a couple of times, hasn't he, in his his career. And Chandler, as we saw, does have legit one-punch power. But um, yeah, I don't don't know. I don't don't see him doing that. I, I agree that like Dan kind of froze a little bit in that fight with Chandler. And um, I don't know. It just seems, it seems to me like the stars are kind of been aligning for a little while for Charles. And um, I don't know. I'm predicting like a a club and sub, as they say, for uh, for Charles. You know, the, the striking really should be fun and and should be pretty even. 
but I think he only needs to catch Chandler once and get him to panic into a into a sort of half hard takedown, and he can catch him in something. Oh yeah, I mean his jujitsu skills are unparalleled. I think the advantage. I think Chandler's worst idea would be taking this to the ground. I'll be honest. That's what. That, well, that's what I can see happening if if he gets in deep. What well, like if Charles catches him a few times on the feet, then he panics and goes for a takedown while he's like kind of you know somewhat hurt. Then uh, that's when who I can did, see him who getting did he beat before. Who did Charles beat before Tony? I forget. Uh, it wasn't someone particularly impressive, if I remember correctly, because you know you still get quite a lot of people that are like, "Oh, his eight win streak or whatever it is isn't against anyone good." But um, he's got so many finishes in there. Oh, it was Kevin Lee. What are we talking about? The goat. Right. So I would, I would this, the, the, actually, this leads me on to nicer to my point. I would say that Kevin Lee stylistically is quite similar to Michael Chandler in the way that they fight. Like they both bring the pressure. They both like yeah move forward. In, like, I was a thinking of Jared stance. Gordon, by the way, because that was his fight before. Before Kevin Lee knocked out Jared Gordon, uh, okay. but again he caught Kevin Lee in a sub, right? Yeah, guillotine, would, uh, put him to sleep. I would, I would argue that Kevin Lee and Michael Chandler again stylistically are incredibly similar. So the blueprint is there, in essence. It's just a matter of whether he can implement it. I, I think with Chandler, I mean, again, like this sounds, this might sound controversial, but we can't have a Bellator champion becoming UFC champion again, <laughs> I knew you were going to bring this up. Like, oh. I knew you wouldn't get to the end of this without complaining that you couldn't just... let Chandler become champ. But I, again, I, I think it'd be de- I think it'd be detrimental to the UFC if Chandler becomes champion because Dana White's whole argument has been that the UFC is the elite like roster and whatever. And Chandler got beaten twice by Pitbull. So... Yeah, and Pitbull's not going to shut the fuck up if Chandler no, wins exactly. this either. Can't, can't. Like, come on, Charles, please just put a silence to this nonsense. Like, end, <laughs> end it once and for all. Like, for, if, if anything, for me, just start out to listen to these Bellator bums chat <laughs> waffle for however long. Right. Um, <laughs> I probably that's, probably, like... that's probably a good note to end <laughs> on, I think, mate. <laughs> before you before you say something you regret, you're supposed to be, uh, you know, interviewing fighters as a as a neutral journalist or whatever. <laughs> you better hope they don't ask you to cover any Bellator events anytime soon. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll wrap, we'll wrap it up on that note. Um, we'll be back next week, hopefully with some uh, some intro and outro music to go with our snazzy new logo. Peace. Good but awesome. <laughs>